Hey, Jared, are you still at home? Still at home, still plugging away, Danny. I have a question for you. Yeah, Do you what's wear up? a mask when you go out? Uh, I will tell you, I kind of got mask shamed the other day. You did? By someone in your family or someone you didn't know? Just, I, maybe it was just an internal, I felt it. Because I'll be the first to say, I haven't gone to the store a lot in the last few weeks. Like mm -hmm. we have most of what we need and, and Tara is out working in uh, outside the home anyway. So she kind of makes a stop if she's on her way home. Right. Uh, but the other day I needed something from Harbor Freight. I needed a chainsaw. <laughs> I know, very specific. <laughs> That's as I'm driving question as I'm driving over there um I've got my son with me and I only had one mask and so I gave it to him to wear oh that's nice and when we walked into the store literally I might have been one of four people that didn't have a mask on oh man and so I kind of felt like uh I haven't been out enough because I I realized then I should be wearing a mask yeah it's it's mask o'clock maybe someone will make you a Red Sox mask well, now, listening audience, if any of you are interested in providing <laughs> emotional support during this crisis, you know, you can make me a Red Sox mask. Emotional right? and physical support. That's that's what our audience is offering. The problem with a Red Sox mask, since they're cheaters, I don't know if it would be made with enough material to actually protect me. <laughs> Does that count for the bell today? That sounds like a bell moment right there. <laughs> Well, Danny, we're back. Uh, I'm glad to have another episode of our Learn at Home series. And I want to make sure that you're plenty hydrated. Are you keeping yourself healthy during these extensive interviews that we do? Hydration is very important to me. I'm like the little girl from Signs and leave cups of water all around the house just, just to make sure I have enough hydration. What about you? It is starting to get warmer, so it's important that you uh, take care of yourself. So. Thank you. Thank you for worrying about me, Jared. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting enough hydration, getting enough steps, though, not being on campus. That's the real challenge. Yeah. Yesterday around two o'clock, I realized that I only had 2000 steps for the day. So I was feeling pretty guilty because those Whoa. are basically steps from the computer to the fridge. I was so. going to say. That's kind of impressive. Maybe one day we should have like a low steps competition. Like who can get the least amount of steps in a day quarantined at their house? Now, I will say that once I realized my low steps, I went out on, on a long walk, yeah. but I kept running into people. <laughs> so the walk was not that long, even though I was gone for a really long time. Yeah, you're a talker. I can imagine that when you run into people on your street, that it's the Jared Cavilli show. There's a lot of catch up. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, getting to know you. How you doing? How, how's your toilet paper stash? You know? <laughs> is that a service that you provide the neighbors? You kind of just make sure that the, all of their toilet paper is okay? I, I just want to make sure that everything is sanitary. Everything's going on, <laughs> on the ups. Yeah, so we're doing good. Lovely. Well, today we are excited to uh, have our next interview in the Learn at Home series. Uh, today we're going to be talking with a high school teacher who also is a special ed teacher. So we're excited to kind of explore how that world is functioning in a time of distance learning. Right. It's a it's definitely a whole different ball game. 
So today we have Zachary Sloan with us. Zachary Sloan is a career educator for the Jordan School District, and he is just about to wrap up his 14th season. He played in the developmental league for East High School as a paraprofessional from 2004 to 2006. Zachary was then drafted by West Hills Middle School as a special educator and then signed as a free agent at Copper Hills High School a year later. Zachary, if you can't tell, is an avid sports enthusiast. If he could, he would teach nothing but sports analytics and statistics. In the off-season, Zachary enjoys spending time with his family, fishing, washing his cars, and is warming up to the ever-so-frustrating world of lawn maintenance. Side note, Zachary also has a wife who works at UEN and is one of the podcast hosts. Welcome, Zach. Hello. I'm happy to be here. I thought I was watching the Last Dance documentary, man. I was going through, I was ready to start <laughs> feeling the music as we were announcing the starting lineup. Oh. <laughs> that would have been a better idea. Fernando, can we get that music in, the Bulls music? That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, it's good to have you in the podcast today. As we, uh, as we start every podcast, you are not immune from this just because you happen to be uh, connected with one of the hosts of the show. Um, we start off every episode with kid questions to get to know a little bit about you beyond your bio. All right. And these are little kid questions, not oh. high school kid questions. Oh, okay. So you nervous? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. So here is our first question. What car is your favorite car ever in the best? Well, that's a cute voice. <laughs> um, any car. Oh, man. That's... I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to cars. So that's a tough one. Um, probably a, a nicely renovated FJ40 Land Cruiser. Probably from the 70s. Yeah, I was. my kids ask me this question all the time, thinking that I'm going to want some luxury sports car. And they're very disappointed anytime I say some rusted old you know, yeah. re renovated uh, 70s SUV or, you know, off-road vehicle. Caught me 15 years ago, my answer would have been different, but. Yeah, you want to be able to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, here's our second question. If you would be on every sports team, which one would it be? Uh, Utah Jazz. I know that's a cliche answer, but I know, think I, in all the times we've had guests, they've never said the jazz. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it'd be fun. Um, just the name recognition alone. People get excited having another Sloan as a part of the organization. Oh, there's no doubt. You'd be a cult figure. I would just like to say that I am impressed that the Chicago Bulls fan from Illinois has fully fully transferred to being a jazz fan. I have lived out here longer now by two years. <laughs> and during most of your adulthood, the jazz have been the better team. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I have not. That's true. Except 2010, 2011, the Bulls. Oh, the Derek Rose years. Yeah. Yeah, I think they made it to the Eastern Finals maybe once, but that was it. That was a small little window. But yeah, that's a good yeah. point. 
Well, yeah, we've we've had a lot of people say very unique sports. So the fact that you picked our hometown team, <laughs> we'll take it, especially if it helps us get tickets to games. Yeah. If there ever our is games anymore. Final question. If there ever are games again, yeah. If you could have another job, what would it be? Car salesman. <laughs> Damn. You want to be down there on the lot? Yeah, that, I might even do that after I retire. We'll see. <laughs> I'd be really good at discount. That and I just, I'd be, I'd be good at it. I could, I could probably make twice as much money right now doing that. Well, not right now because of COVID nineteen, but. <laughs> I think this was an Normal. episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think this sounds like something Larry did. <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> All right. Well, you passed the kid questions, okay, darling. Cool. That was fun. <laughs> so now we want to talk to you about what it's been like being a high school mild to moderate special ed teacher. Um, it, wait, during wait, COVID-19. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. What? We what? really want to know what it's like to be working at home with your wife all the time oh, during COVID nineteen. We've done pretty well. Yeah, we've we've kept our distance. <laughs> which is good. Uh, keep social distancing in the house. We are yeah. we are social distancing. <laughs> Danny works better professionally when she has her space, and I can respect that. So it's, he's he spent a lot of time up in the man loft. That's now become his classroom as well. It's nice and quiet up there. But no, I think, and it helps like that we're in the same field. Yeah, you know, um, that has a lot of advantages because sometimes we'll talk about things that are going on during the day as far as what we're doing. And so, but it's it's gone well. Still married. <laughs> Still want to be married. Yeah. <laughs> And we even survived. I trained Zach how to use Canvas. He was not a wow. Canvas teacher before COVID-19. And we survived that, which I think is incredible. I'm also a quick learner. Okay. <laughs> I have so many things I could ask, but I do not want to get either one of you in trouble. So I will keep it. In All right. <laughs> Solid choice, Jared. Okay, so now can we ask him what it's been like being a special ed teacher? Why don't you share what classes you are teaching right now? Uh, I teach Resource Language Arts 12 to about 67 seniors, uh, not all in the same class, a couple different sections, um, and Math of Personal Finance uh, resource. That's mainly 11th graders. So Zach, I didn't realize this about you because I, when I was teaching public school, I also taught a class, kind of that senior class for the, for a bunch of kids. And at uh, Hunter High, where I was at, it was called Novels, but it was pretty uh-huh. much Jared. You can do whatever you want. Nice. Oh my God! So, it could have just so, books. I, all we did <gasps> was I would. <laughs> I would pick. I would pick one book and read it out loud to the kids, for part of the class. Like I actually read out loud the Princess Bride to the to the class. Wow. My my senior year as a student, my English teacher in Illinois, we called it English, not language arts. <laughs> and he it was his last year before he was gonna retire. And like 
we just watched like a movie every week and then wrote like an essay about it. And, and looking back, that actually like helped me become like a way better writer. Um, like when I was in college, I'd written like so many things in that high school class where I was like, oh, okay, like this isn't bad. And got to watch some good movies. So a lot of people like. Yeah, we need to know, like, like what was the best movie you watched in that class? Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I can't imagine that going over well in public schools in Utah. Yeah, I, I showed that right in the heart of Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, tell us a little bit about your experience kind of transitioning into distance teaching. That's That's got to be something that's uh, unique for you that you probably hadn't thought you'd do. Yeah, um, that's a good way to put it. There was a lot of uncertainty going into it, especially as a, as a special ed teacher. And I feel like, you know, being a high school teacher, that puts you in an advantage because our school and our district has already like been on Canvas. Um, and even though like I hadn't done things with my class on Canvas, since the beginning of the school year, all my like courses and sections, everything was already set up on Canvas by default. Um, yeah. So like that part of the transition did make that easier, but it was, it was scary, you know, kind of jumping into it. And I knew it would last like longer than two weeks. And there was a handful of my students. I was like, I'm never going to hear from these kids again, you know, but I've been pleasantly surprised. Now I'm kind of curious about that. So like you, you had some expectations about students that would or would not kind of jump into distance learning. Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit, like those kids that you weren't expecting maybe to embrace this or to try this kind of share why you think they, some of them have come in and done it. Um, I think a lot of them that I was, you know, worried about and they kind of, you know, fell into the category of, lower level learners and needing a ton of accommodations in the normal school setting. And yeah. so having to go strictly mobile was like, man, some of these kids are just gonna, gonna disappear. And some of them, it took two, three weeks till I got an assignment popping up on canvas and you can ask Danny, I was like, so excited. You know, I heard from so-and-so like, this is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of them are very eager to graduate and maybe even more so now. And so I think that was a little motivation, like, oh, I, I do need to participate. I do need to figure out how to get some stuff done. I'll also say something in watching Zach. So Zach is, um, he is very serious about the divide between schoolwork and well work work and being at home like he does not he's the only person i know that does not have his work email on his cell phone um and so working at home and kind of being on 24 7 is something that's different for him i've seen him you know replying to student emails at all hours of the night or taking a phone call from a parent because you know now they have his cell phone number and so he's definitely made himself more available to his students and it's been a lot of communication 
to get some of his students to do the things that they need to be doing. And it's, it's funny because like my lovely wife, even previous to this pandemic, she would work at home sometimes and, you know, it'd be like 4.30 in the afternoon and I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, get off your computer. Mm. Like work day's over. And like now I like get it more where it's like, you know, even if it's six and I get an email that I feel that I need to respond to, I'm like, oh, okay. And so I kind of get her side of things more now being exposed to, you know, the last month and a half of working at home. Well, and it's interesting because I think one of the things that you're, that we're all kind of recognizing is that need to connect with people and help kind of answer their questions sooner than later, you know, because we feel yeah. like this is, this is that moment where they're, they're in crisis or they're in struggle. And if I can help them, I want to try and make it so that this isn't the thing that's giving them stress right now. Like absolutely, there's a lot of other things in the world that are giving them stress. Let's not make this one of those things. Totally. Yeah. Um, something that, uh, why don't you share how you get some of your math students to participate in the class? Something that you've kind of learned. Screencasting? Uh, or? I was thinking the discussions. Oh, on, on Canvas, yeah. yeah. So especially students with learning disabilities, they just hate math. Yeah. Because most regular ed kids do not like math. And yeah, so they despise so, math, but you're yeah, saying yeah. it's hate math. <laughs> And when you throw a legitimate like learning disability into the mix, then it's like guarantee most of my students, whether they're my math class or not, it's their least favorite class. And so I'll like do a screencast of, you know, the personal finance lesson and do a couple examples of the problems and I'll post that along with the exercise. And it's like, I'll just get slim participation. And then it's funny because I'll like post a discussion that talks about, you know, like we were talking about simple interests last week and I'll post a discussion and ask questions about that. And then it's like, I get flooded with responses. Hmm. <laughs> so they don't mind talking about math. They just don't want to have to actually do math, but it's kind of a nice little trick to get them in there and participating and doing something. And if you feel a little success, in the discussion, you know, maybe I'll try my hand at the assignment. So I thought that was a yeah. creative way to get his students to participate. Part of it too, is it is like a little more time consuming than like my language arts assignments. Cause like to text entry, the math stuff can take some time, especially because sure. of different answers for each problem. Um, some kids though have printed it out at their house and then just send me a picture of it filled out by hand. And um, that's probably what I would have done, you know, in high school. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that not that long ago that um, one of the challenges, I think, sometimes when we switch assignments from being um, in person to distance or online is that we feel like we've got to have everybody do everything electronically. And there's nothing wrong with grabbing a piece of paper and writing out an answer and taking yeah. a picture of it. Oh, totally. So and I've had parents email and ask if that's an OK way to do it. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's probably even easier for me to look at and grade like I'm used to. Well, and especially if you want to see their work in math, like you kind of want to see their thought process. Yeah. That's harder to do digitally. 
You know? Oh, definitely. You know, Zach, one of the questions I'm, I'm kind of curious about, um, like as, as you've kind of gone through this process just a little bit, it seems like a lot of what you do as a special ed teacher focuses in on um, helping students feel confident and have that feeling like they've got somebody in their corner who's kind of working with them. How's that kind of changed since you've been doing this uh, from a distance? Um, not too much. Just like Danny said, like keeping that constant line of communication open. Um, and I've been in contact with a lot of their, like the kids I'm worried about, I've been in contact with their regular ed teachers just mm. to remind them, you know, like, hey, so-and-so is going to need some extra help and some extra time and more patience with this online stuff. And just collaborating um, with that stuff has helped, you know, those lines of communication and avenues stay open. I think to reminding some teachers that now is not necessarily the time to be a stickler or to be over the top rigorous. Um, I think that's been helpful. And our principal was great with that from the start. Um, Even on our like, because the last day we were at school, you know, we had, there's a hundred something teachers in my high school. We had a big faculty meeting and they like made everybody six feet apart. (laughs) Wow. Um, Was it in the auditorium? No, it was in our tech atrium. Oh, okay. Um, It would have been, you know, think looking back, it would have been a little easier in the auditorium. Um, But our principal really even pushed then when a lot of people thought we'd only be two weeks, he even pushed then like, don't make this more difficult than it needs to be. Focus on the bare essentials. Please don't post the same amount of work that you usually do in class online. And and so I, I appreciated hearing hearing that. And I do think too, one good thing that's gonna come from all of this that is gonna benefit like my students and other special ed students moving forward is I think a lot of regular ed teachers being forced to kind of think about this stuff more right now and accommodate more and be a little more reasonable with assignments, um, which is what we try to, you know, get them to do in a regular school setting. That's interesting. That's something I wouldn't have considered, you know, that this is kind of encouraging them to think about personalizing content, maybe a little bit more for students who have different needs. Absolutely. Have you, have, like students that are on 504s, has there been any uh, information from the district for teachers about how to deal with that in distance learning that you're aware of? Um, no, uh, and I'm sure there. I'm sure there is. Like I'm sure our psychologist at our school yeah. is dealing with a lot of that because he's got tons of 504 kids and is in charge of the special ed kids, and so. And one thing too that's a positive from all this is the timing of it. Like I keep telling Danny, like if this would have, if this whole thing would have started in like October, yeah, September, like, Oh man, that would have been rough, you know? And at this point in the school year, we all know our students, or at least we should and know their capabilities and their weaknesses and their strengths. And so that was huge. Like to me, um, going into it where if, there would have been a lot more uncertainty, <laughs> you know, that's why I'm a little nervous about the start of next school year, depending on what happens. But yeah, that's interesting though. Cause you think like 
like you're saying, you know, which kids that you can kind of push a little bit more and which ones you need to give them that space so that they can figure it out for themselves, whether it's in person or online. Yep. Yep. Like right away, I probably could have given you a list of 30 kids that I'm getting stuff turned in on time every day. Yeah. You know? And so really at this point, the flow is kind of very similar to, you know, my normal classroom. Something too, um, that Zach as a special educator, especially in, especially in high school, parents don't tend to be as involved, but, um, if they have a special ed student, they do have to be a little bit more involved with, you know, the IEP process and whatnot. And so I think having the knowledge of parents and who they are and where they're coming from and what their families look like has been really important. So he knows, you know, oh, I can reach out to mom or dad wants to know this, or I just need to deal directly with the student on this. So that kind of knowledge of yeah, that's a good point. And that's the thing too. It's like I, this year, I think I had 32 IEPs and it was also good timing because, you know, I didn't have a ton left um, to do when we, you know, had school closed. And so had this started earlier again, that would have been another obstacle, you know, cause it's easier to build a relationship with a parent, like meeting with them and, and that instead of just never met them and let's talk over the phone, you know? Yeah. People hate talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anybody like that. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you. We often talk about getting your seniors to graduate. Uh, what senioritis look like during COVID? Is that a thing? It's it's less of a problem. Really? Yeah. And here's my theory on that is that like right now, you know, if it was a normal Friday and it's almost May, 70% of my seniors, they know they know they're graduating. They know that they've got their credits. They know what to do to pass my class. And that my class might even be the last required class they need to pass. And then, so they're the ones that are like hard to like motivate, you know? And then right now, I think they're a little uncomfortable still. Like I need to kind of stay on top of this because like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) And so I think it's, it's better because in a, in a real school year, I, you know, struggle with that. Like the month of May, Oh yeah. Is really hard to, to motivate and to like keep them going. And what we usually do, the book that I like to read, um, is Jurassic Park with my seniors. Oh, it's, it's Lexile level wise. It's about on, you know, their reading levels. And so we usually read that throughout the year kind of slowly. And then maybe the last two weeks of May, we like watch a lot of those movies kind of celebrate. And, and so, you know, I can't really post links for movies. I mean, I guess I could, we could try to do it, but. You're not going to do a Netflix, <laughs> Netflix party, party with them? Yeah. yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so that's been, I feel like I'm not having to motivate as much online because they can't try to like wheel and deal with me in person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, it's funny when you talk about the month of May, I remember always hoping that we had a wet spring because it kind of gave yeah. kids that motivation to be inside and working. Cause when the weather's nice, I mean, everybody wants to get out. And even now, like I'm sure people are dying to get out, 
But like you're saying, kids are still a little uncertain about the world right now. So being at home and doing some homework isn't necessarily the worst thing to do when you're a little apprehensive about the what's outside right now. And it's funny because my juniors in math are, and like it could be because of the math stuff like we were talking about, but like they're harder to like motivate right now. Cause I think in their heads, they're like, yeah, let's kind of, let's figure this out next year. Uh, <laughs> Seniors don't have that luxury. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause like I say, a lot of the juniors they are saying, Oh, well, whatever we don't get to right now, you guys will just make it up for us next year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll figure it out for us. Exactly. <laughs> and, and seniors are like, nope, we got to turn this. <laughs> Sloan's not messing around. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we hear in the news a lot right now, Zach, is just about how, um, how students with learning disabilities are doing during distance learning, specifically because they get so many resources potentially from the schools or um, different things that are provided for them. Can you share just maybe a little bit about what that looks like right now? So with the population that I work with, mild to moderate learning disabled students, um, I have it pretty good compared to like our severe teacher, Jackie Shepik, um, because 90% of my students I work with, I'd say are pretty self-sufficient working independently. I've probably got, you know, five to 10 students who I, I'm sure their parents are having to help them a lot. And when I post a lot of the language arts assignments, I'll take 10 minutes to like screencast and like read like the entire reading section of what I want them to work on to try to help. Um, and, and the biggest thing that's helping my students you know, and during the school year when things are normal is like extended time on assignments. Mm -hmm. And like right now what I've done is just, I put everything due June 3rd because I don't want them to see next week that they're working on something that's late, you know? And some people might say, well, that's, you know, they're going to turn it all in at the end, but it's like, no, I've had people turning things in fine, even though it says due June 3rd. And so, but like for a severe special ed teacher, it's a lot harder right now. Because they're really having to do, you know, Zoom sessions with small groups and working on life skills and working on social skills and a lot of things like that. That would be really hard. That those kids get in person at school almost most of the day. Um, and so I, I do feel for those kids and those teachers having to navigate through that, where like those teachers can't just like, post an assignment on Canvas and hope something shows up. That's right. No, that's, I was just talking with my sister-in-law who's a special ed teacher in an elementary school. And she was talking about the number of those kind of one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three meetings that she has with, uh, with kids just to kind of help work on those things that you're talking about. And I imagine that's probably how they're doing it in elementary. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. I think it just depends, but yeah, using some of the online tools that you figured out to kind of do the same accommodations that those kiddos or kids, teenagers, <laughs> grown adults would receive. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, he, Zach asked me how to screencast or how to, so he's been borrowing some, some of my tools to 
screencast and stuff. And it's, it's kind of cool because he knows kind of the world that we live in now. Well, and one thing that I'm, as you're talking about reading, so like a student that maybe has struggled with text and you're reading it out loud for them, that's a good strategy for any teacher, not just a special yeah. ed teacher, but just, just to take use technology to maybe enhance how you teach. It may just be that some kids want to hear your voice, right? I mean, that yeah. sounds funny. And we say, well, high school kids wouldn't feel that way, but they have connection just the same as anybody else. They want to have that experience that they're used to. So technology in some ways can help us bridge that gap. They, yeah, they do. And I know because whenever we're out and about and we see one of Zach's students, like they're stoked to see him. And so I think being able to hear his voice and see his face occasionally, I mean, it may not look the same as it does with elementary school students, but they still need that. And then it's, it's kind of the same thing we always say, like best practices for English language learners are really best practices for every student and best practices for Fed students for accommodations, like that's helpful for everyone. Like, I don't know anyone that wouldn't want to be able to watch their math teacher go through a problem as many times as they want without having to ask a question. Yeah. That's pretty humanizing to be able to, to kind of be in control of how many times you want to hear something. So. Absolutely. So Zach, as we kind of look to wrap up our interview a little bit, maybe share with us one of the biggest things that you've learned in your kind of teaching practice and in your relationship with your kids through this experience? Um, from a technical standpoint, Canvas <laughs> <laughs> was, was good. And, and I'm lucky to have Danny in my corner and try to figure that out. I've had coworkers kind of text me, Hey, ask your wife what I do here. <laughs> you know? Suddenly I'm so useful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do believe like moving forward, you know, if next year's, back to normal. Um, I think I'll, I'll use more technology than I have in the past. I've kind of been the, the grumpy veteran. That's like, Oh, you know, uh, canvas manvis. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. think it, I don't know if it's his veteran status or if it's just like, that's what I do. And so he's like, yeah. I'll hold out. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. With have, that you, have you, have you attended one of my trainings? Cause I swear I've heard canvas manvis before. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was in the back, um, but yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna benefit me moving forward. I think I'll probably have more communication digitally with my students even during the school year because with high school, I mean, some weeks depending on if it's a holiday week or whatnot, I might see those kids once a week because of the yeah. AB schedule. Um, so yeah, I think that's been that's been helpful, and I've always said like. Somebody my age is like a pretty good generation because like I didn't grow up with technology, but when it started to get popular, I was young enough to like want to learn how to use it. And so that that transition hasn't been been too bad, but it's been it's been helpful. Um, and then as far as the other part of what I've learned, um, I don't know, it's like tough because like I said, at this point in the school year, I don't think I've learned. I guess some of my kids are more resilient than I thought. Um, like how I didn't give a lot of the kids credit initially in my head. Like, well, it was nice to know you. I'm not going to hear from, you know, Yeah, so I've learned that some of these kids will, will step up when it's kind of do or die and try to figure some things out. So that's cool. 
I think that's a lesson that Danny and I would both say that we've learned because I'll be honest, there are teachers that I've seen in some of my trainings that I think, how are they going to cope with this world? <laughs> yeah. And they're more resilient and they're more uh, capable than I gave them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Sloan, you did it. You were on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a real joy. <laughs> the joy was all ours. <laughs> Indeed. So, Danny, do you want to give the uh, laser teacher tech tip for today? Ugh, do we have to do a tech tip today? Well, this is kind of a podcast about technology, I so mean, it might be useful. I just, I just don't have anything today. I'm tired. My brain cells are not firing. I don't, I don't want to. Do you want to? All right, Jared. I definitely do not have a tech tip today. Do you got me? I can pick up what you're laying down. I can help you out here. Thank you. So friends, one of the things, we spent a lot of time talking about learning management systems and we've spent more of our time, it seems like, talking about Canvas. But I know that there's a large population out there utilizing uh, Google Classroom. Yes. So I'm going to share one little tip with you today about utilizing Google Classroom. Um, all of your students are able to see all of your uh, announcements in the stream. But if you want to allow parents to be part of your Google Classroom, um, you can go to the People tab and actually add guardians so that they can receive weekly or daily updates about what's going on in class. If you haven't oh. turned that feature on yet, that would be very helpful for parents who want to keep in the loop about what's going on in class. What a great idea. I didn't know that that was possible in Google Classroom. Yeah, so it's a feature that uh, came out about a year ago, but I'm seeing more and more need for it while we go through the quarantine. Awesome, thanks, Jared. You're welcome. So Danny, I have to say, I'm pretty excited that you allowed your husband to come into the uh, podcast today. Yeah, he, he was a good time. I'm, I'm impressed that he wanted to do it, so. <laughs> I know it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to live in the Danny uh, shadow here, so. Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's It was nice house. that we gave Zach Sloan a little, a little spotlight time there. We both live in the Teddy shadow, so. Oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he, it was fun having him on, and even though we do talk shop, occasionally at home it's it's fun to hear him talk about his job and his students he's he's super passionate about being an advocate for them so i loved it i loved having him on well and one of the things that he said that i think a lot of our teachers can relate to is the fact that our preconceptions of what our students may do or not do during this time we may underestimate their ability and their desire and their interest and it was great to hear him say, you know, I'm, I'm, pr I'm proud of my students that have stepped up. Right. It, he, and he genu genuinely is. He really will get a ding little notification and be thrilled to hear from one of his students and be so proud. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of him for being willing to share his journey a little bit because um, that's yeah. tough for people to admit when they've maybe thought one way about integrating or classroom practices and they're changing their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was a little shocked to hear that he might be using Canvas next year as part of his just regular teaching. So no, it's one of the yeah. new tools in his toolbox. 
All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yep. Thanks for being part of our Learn at Home series. 